You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of Shout, the Buffalo Bills football podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my tag team partner, Ryan Talbot. Ryan, how are you? Doing well. I'm, you know, uh, waiting to see what's going to happen here with the NFL, everything else. It seems like we're getting a little bit closer to learning more about training camp, so I'm getting excited. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's super exciting that we can get to a point where we can start to talk about more than roster building because for the most part this roster has been built and and we have a really good idea of what Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier and Brian Dable are going to have to work with in 2020. And so we decided, you know, we were talking about different content ideas. I mean, we've covered things pretty extensively since the end of the season through the free agency and the draft. Uh, And then without mini camp and training camp, it's been kind of hard to find topics, but we thought let's do a giant mailbag and we're going to basically run through a bunch of, you know, Bills fans' biggest questions about this team looking ahead to 2020 season and a, and a weird season that it could be and, and how different it could be. Uh, and so we're, we, we picked a bunch of questions. I tweeted out uh, a bunch uh, uh, asking uh, Bills fans to, to hit us with their biggest questions, and we're going to go story slash podcast by story slash podcast and cover all these questions as we lead up to training camp. We're so appreciative of you guys uh, joining us today. And always, if you could, subscribe to the show so you always get it and rate and review it really helps us out as we continue to try to grow the show we're going to start out with a with a fun one and it goes to an area of this football team that i think has the potential to be really good in 2020 and that's the defensive line and the question is do the bills get more or less sacks than last year with the additions i think more but it could be a wash and that came from at JT DeHart on Twitter. Jason, thank you. Uh, you are our first question uh, in this series. And it's one that, you know, for a defensive line that I think, wow, good, really good at times last year, I think in most Bills fans' eyes, under underperformed in terms of the totality of the 2019 season. I thought what you saw from them in Houston was – outstanding and you saw Trent Murphy with two sacks Jerry Hughes with two sacks um, but 
let's answer this question first and foremost before we get too far into the weeds. Ryan, what do you think? Will the Bills have more sacks this year than last year? You know, I went back and forth on that question a little bit, but I ended up saying they're going to have more. Uh, last year, the team had 44 team sacks. It was good for 12th in the league. So it's not like they were at the bottom of the league or anything like that. They, they were kind of uh, actually in that upper echelon in terms of overall sacks. Now, when you look at it, who are their two leading sack uh, recorders of sacks, I guess is the best way to put it last year. It was Jordan Phillips and it was Shaq Lawson. Both of them are out the door, though. Free agents. Both collected big money from the Cardinals and the Dolphins, respectively. So at first I was like, oh, you know, it's hard to replace that kind of output. But you look at what's been brought in. Mario Addison, uh, 39 sacks over the last four years, uh, an average of, of um, almost 10 sacks per season. So he kind of, if he continues to play the way he has, he kind of matches Jordan Phillips' output. You have Quentin Jefferson, who did not record a lot of sacks last year, I believe three and a half, but he had more quarterback pressures than Jordan Phillips did last season. So he has the ability to do that. And then you bring in Vernon Butler, who had six sacks last year. And perhaps the most important thing is they replaced their defensive line coach with Eric Washington. Washington has always had success in terms of getting after the quarterback with his defensive lines uh, in Carolina. Uh, and, and I know we're, we're talking about more than just the defensive line itself, but I think that is obviously where the majority of the sacks will come from this year. So I, I think they're well positioned to finish with more sacks in 2020 than they did in 2019. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. And I think it starts with, you know, three guys that you mentioned, Eric Washington, Mario Addison, and Vernon Butler. The Panthers were second in the NFL last season in total sacks. And I think what, Eric did a good job of last year with this unit and he was obviously the defensive coordinator there, but, you know, dating back to his time in Chicago as the defensive line coach for Lovey Smith's defense there, he is a guy that's proven over the course of his career to be able to get uh, his unit, his, his pass rushing unit to successfully get after the quarterback. And I think that the pieces that are already in place here, when you're talking about Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy, who, you know, for the most part, probably weren't the uh, picture of health throughout last season that they'll be this year. And in Jerry Hughes's case, he played most of the year, you know, with a, with a wrist injury uh, that he said he suffered early on last year. And then in Trent Murphy's case, I still think he was in the process of getting back from the ACL. And, and I think that you saw what he potentially could look like in that last game. And, you know, AJ Epinesa, the first round draft or second round draft pick, the Bills first draft pick in this draft, He's such a wild card because I like the power pass rush ability that he brings and the potential for him to be flexible with where he's attacking. And I think that's one of the biggest talking points with this, this defense and specifically this front front um, uh, this defensive front. I think that they can throw so many different looks at opposing offensive lines and at quarterbacks. And I think that from the edge rushers and where they added there in terms of Mario Addison, who nine and a half sacks last year led the Panthers. And that was a unit for in Carolina where they really did it as a team. And you're talking about Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, Brian Burns, the rookie, Shaq Thompson, who kind of plays that 
um, hybrid big nickel role that I think Sean McDermott wants to add here. So I think that with all of these pieces in place, and I haven't even talked about the one where I think is the critical piece, and that's Ed Oliver, because his pressure rate last year, uh, you mentioned Quentin Jefferson, both of those two guys, Quentin and Ed Oliver, were in the top 10 in pressure rate um, you know, in the NFL last season. And I think that if you take Ed Oliver's success um, in some of the, his games last year and you extrapolate that to 2020 and expand that, you're talking about a guy that can have an impact. And I think all of these guys are going to have impacts on each other. I think Ed Oliver's success could make things easier for Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy and Mario Addison and whoever that fourth guy is, whether it be A.J. Epinesa or Quentin Jefferson or, or Daryl Johnson Jr., if he somehow uh, makes a run at making this roster, which I think is going to be very tough to do. But I'm going to say more sacks, and I think it has something to do with the experience that they've added on the field and in the coaches' room. Yeah, I think the experience is huge. And something else that you mentioned, too, uh, the versatility of this defensive line. Because if you can get these opposing offenses into obvious passing downs on third down and you kick A.J. Epinez on the inside or you kick um, Quentin Jefferson on the inside and, and maybe you have Trent Murphy, Quentin Jefferson, Ed Oliver, and Jerry Hughes – um, on the field, or however you want to do it, with Addison, uh, any combination pretty much of those guys that we've mentioned. You can get after the quarterback even more by taking out a star Latuvale and putting in one of those more versatile pass rushes. So I think on those third down situations are going to be better this year as well. Um, just the additions that they've made, I know they, you know they lost some key guys from last year's unit in terms of sacks, but I think they added more overall than what they lost. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that this defensive line and this defense as a whole uh, could easily end up as a top 10 unit, but I think they could even get into that top five range in terms of overall sacks in 2020. One thing that I looked at when trying to figure out how to attack this question was blitz percentage, because I think you look at some of the teams that were really good and consistently getting after the quarterback last year. Obviously, the teams that sent the most pressure usually tend to be in the upper echelon of the league when it comes to finishing sacks. And, you know, the Bills ranked 12th in the NFL last year at 31.1% uh, of blitz snaps. Uh, leading the league was the Baltimore Ravens, obviously. We all remember their mm -hmm. game against the Bills and the pressures that they sent at Josh Allen at 54.9%. But they were the aberration. Number two on that list was the Tampa Bay Bucks at 43%. So we're talking about a 10 to 12 point range in terms of blitzing um, how, how often you're kind of, you know, peeling your ears back and sending multiple blitzers. And I think that you look at the Bills defense and Leslie Frazier and how he has run this defense. And I think that two things are stand out to me about the potential of this front seven and their ability to get pressure is number one, the continuity, not only within the coaching staff, but, and I know Eric Washington is new, but in terms of the players understanding the roles and the types of players that they're adding, you know, AJ Klein, uh, Quentin Jefferson, Mario Addison, more so than most Vernon Butler. These are all veteran players. These are all guys that are going to come in here. They've been in the league for at least four years. They, they know how to, uh, you know, eat up a playbook and get on the same page. And there's going to be continuity with Eric Washington, who's worked with various players of these. And, and you, you can even go to AJ Klein. I obviously he was a defensive line coach, but going back to his time in Carolina. So that's number one. Number two 
is I think there's so much untapped potential at the second level. And that starts with Tremaine Edmonds. You go back and watch some of his, um, his games last year when he was able to blitz, and he looked like such a ferocious force coming up the middle or stunting off to the side. He's somebody that, you know, early on when there was questions about his long-term viability as a middle linebacker, one of the things that I kept hearing was fans talking about why not move him to kind of like an edge rusher, a hybrid outside linebacker where you can have him rush the quarterback. I think that we could see Tremaine Edmonds rush a little bit more. And I think Matt Milano, Leslie Frazier even mentioned it last, last, towards the end of last year. I think Matt Milano is an underrated blitzer because he doesn't do it um, a, a whole lot because this, uh, this defense is built and predicated on containment. You go and look, the Bills' defense last year forced opposing quarterbacks to a combined 78.8 passer rating for the season. Only the Patriots and the Ravens were better. And I think a lot of the, the reason the Bills are able to have success like that is they're focused on, you know, the 111th, the cliches, doing your job. But that plays to rushing as a unit, making sure that you're kind of watching everybody's back. And, you know, on another token, the Bills were, I think, third in the NFL last year and missed tackles. That has to get better. When you get there, you have to wrap up. I, I, I can't remember how many times last year there was a play or two where, where a, a pass rusher would get to the quarterback and not finish. And so I think you want to see a little bit more of that. But I think all of those things combined, guy, and, and it all kind of funnels into the point that this is a defense now that has knows who it is, knows the roles that – most of its players already assume. And I think the guys that are new will be able to figure it out quickly. And I think that's all going to lead to more success and, and more pressure and ability to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, another area of continuity is the fact that Eric Washington knows Sean McDermott and his defense so well. So it's not even just the continuity between him and some of these players that are getting brought in. He's not going to miss a step with this defense and, and what Sean McDermott liked. And I think he can actually improve this defense and work with Sean and say, here's what I did in Carolina. Here's how I was able to get more pressure. So those two guys that have a lot of experience together working hand-in-hand, hand, throwing in a Leslie Frazier into the mix who's worked with Sean McDermott over the last few years. You mentioned the linebacker play. Uh, and, and even in, into the secondary as well with, with the big nickel roll, whether it's Saran Neal. You know, we saw Neal get to Watson last year, and obviously Watson bounced off that play, but he can get after the quarterback. You have Taron Johnson in the secondary who – uh, can get after the quarterback. So all three levels have certain players that when called upon, I think can have some success in 2020. So uh, across the board, I think that this unit should have high expectations in just about every category on defense, but I think we should even see them ascend even further from that, in that sack category. Where do you see this kind of, uh, I don't want to say snap distribute, uh, distribution, but, almost like where guys are going to fit into certain roles. Like, I mean, you look at the things that you know going in, I think that you're probably looking at Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison on the edges. I think you're looking at Ed Oliver at the three tech to start. And I think probably star to start at the one tech. But then you have a collection of names that obviously are going to be heavily rotated. Um, Harrison Phillips will be back. Vernon Butler, obviously, we, we talked a little bit about. Uh, Vincent Taylor's in the mix. And then you have some, you know, uh, two guys in AJ Epinesa and Quentin Jefferson with insane flexibility to play on the edge, set the, set the edge, get after the quarterback from the edge position, and then flip inside and pass rush, uh, you know, on third down situations. So I think that 
there's so much flexibility, but how do you feel like that? How does that look week one against the Jets in terms of, you know, how these guys fit, fit in and maybe how some of them fill in for, for Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips who are now no longer on the team? Yeah, that's a great question. Week one, you know, unfortunately, you might have to take Harrison Phillips out of the equation because who knows where he's going to be by then. Is he still going to be on the, you know, is he going to be on the pup list? Is he going to be a full go? Is he going to be ready? So in week one, I don't know what we'll get from, from Phillips, but throughout the season, I could see him really cutting into uh, Star Latulale's snaps because I thought he was really having uh, a nice camp last year. I thought he was kind of emerging there before that injury occurred. Uh, but, but overall, I think that all of their snap percentages from 2019 to 2020, I wouldn't be shocked if all of them take a slight hit because Sean McDermott loves rotating defensive linemen. And while, you know, at first glance, you might say, well, I want to have X player on the field as much as possible. And, and I get that. But if you're keeping Jerry Hughes fresh and he's getting into a game, not without that wrist injury that obviously hurt him last year, and you're getting him out there in the fourth quarter and he still has fresh legs, that's going to be a terrible scenario for the opposing offensive linemen who have been out there uh, pretty much all game at that end. Or you rotate him and Addison on the same side. Uh, you, you have Quentin Jefferson inside, outside. There's just so many possibilities where I think their overall snap counts might take a little hit in their overall percentages from one year ago but I think it's going to lead to better things long-term for this defensive line because they're going to have those fresh legs on the inside and on the outside throughout the games, as long as they can stay healthy, which is a whole nother matter. But I, I think that while the snap counts go down, the sacks will go up because of that. Yeah. I think that, you know, the options and different combinations at uh, Eric Washington and, and Sean McDermott's disposal here make things interesting. And I think that the elevated level of skill experience, I think is also going to help. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, guys that are rushing in some of those non-traditional roles, whether it be the hybrid um, big nickel or nickel role uh, that Taron Johnson plays, I think Saran Neal, you look at the way that he plays uh, as a special teamer, and we talked to Lorenzo Alexander recently on the podcast, and he mentioned Saran Neal as a potential breakout candidate for the Bills in 2020. And, and I think this is, could be one of the areas where he really takes over. I, I think it was the Houston game where uh, – was it, was it that game where he got after Deshaun Watson on one play? Um, I can't remember what the package was. I'd have to go back and watch it. But I think he's got real acumen for hun hunting the football. And so if you can get some of these guys in positions, uh, maybe you can uh, add another dimension to your uh, defense in terms of your playbook in, in sending defensive backs and cornerbacks and even safeties and Jordan, Jordan Poyer over the years. Uh, to me, at times, has been a really good blitzer. There's so many potential options. And I think that's where this defense becomes scary. You know, I've been talking about all offseason since the draft now about my expectations for this team. And it goes back to how good I think this defense can be. But I think part of that is it depends on if the two areas meet, if this is a fearful pass rushing team, as well as a stout secondary team. And right now, I, I don't think you can make an argument that this isn't one of the top five secondaries in the NFL pound for pound, even without the, um, 
even without knowing what Josh Norman's going to be, I still think you can make that case based on Tredavious White and the safeties. But I think that if you add a top five defensive line or even more impressive would be a top five front seven, you're talking about a dominant defense and, and maybe the new pound for pound number one top defense in the NFL. Yeah, I think that the talent is there. And like you said, you know, you don't know about cornerback too, whether it's going to end up being Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, EJ Gaines, if he can somehow stay healthy. But th- there's enough talent there that even if those guys kind of rotate on that other side, that you don't have to worry about that back end. And, and you know, now I'm kind of going in a whole nother tangent, but then that would be interesting to see what it means for the Bills offense, because there's so many lofty expectations for this offense in, in 2020. But if the Bills have a top defense, the top defense in the league, you don't need Josh Allen then throwing 35, 40 times a game. You don't need uh, the, you know, two 1,000-yard receivers. It, it just it, – it's so interesting because the defense can play such a role on the offense. And, uh, you know, I hope that the offense takes that next step. And they are exciting. That there's more, you know, for the fan base, that there's more blowout wins and not these nail biters at the end. But if you have the top defense in this league, maybe then the Bills do kind of take the foot off the gas pedal, which I'm not advising them to do. But on a game-to-game basis, they might not have to be having Josh Allen throw so many times or uh, needing to depend on the defense to hold them late in the games because those games could get out of hand a little bit faster or earlier than what we've seen in the last few years. I think one thing, too, the Bills fans can get excited about is if that is the case and this defense is the kind of defense that we think it could be if everything breaks right I think this Bills offense the way that it's constructed is better than San Francisco's offense in 2019 with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback and Debo Samuel and some really good running backs I think that the pieces in place here and the potential for an offensive line that's now spent 17 games 16 regular season one playoff game together what the potential is there to build on the success they had last year. I think you're talking, I think that's where the expectations really for me come from is that this is a defense that has been elite and has been top five, top, top five, the last two years, no doubt, but top 10 for sure since Sean McDermott's been here. And so can this bill's offense even meet halfway at that maybe 15, 14, 13 range of, of offenses and maybe passing offenses, you're talking about a real threat in the division and that's when, and the conference. And that's when I don't really want to talk about the strength of schedule being um, something that holds them back because I think good teams overcome circumstances and every team's going to have some kind of circumstance. And, you know, uh, in a def- in a, in a division where the three other defenses, the Patriots, the Jets and the Dolphins, all coached by the same people now. It's still going to be a Belichick defense in New England. It's still going to be a Greg Williams defense in New York. And it's still going to be a Brian, Brian Flores defense in Miami. All of them blitzed more than the Bills last year. They were all top 12 in, in terms of blitz percentage. And all of them were really, really good defenses. So Josh Allen six times this year is going to go up against six. He's going to have six tough games right off the bat, just in terms of the defense that he's going to go up against. So to your point, having your own version of an elite defense is where I think can help them. Yeah. And you know, that, that battle against San Francisco later this year will be interesting because you know, both could have elite defenses, both could have 
up-and-coming offenses, but the Bills, you're right, could actually end up uh, having the better offense of those two teams. And then you look at the actual conference itself, uh, a team like the Chiefs. Now, mind you, the Chiefs ended up uh, defeating the 49ers in the Super Bowl, but you've mentioned a few times, San Francisco had Patrick Mahomes shut down for three quarters of that game, and kudos to Mahomes in the offense that came alive in the fourth to win that Super Bowl. But if the Bills are, are kind of like that 49ers blueprint, well, one, they could beat the Chiefs head-to-head this year. But more importantly, come playoff time, if they match up against the Chiefs, who's to say that they can't knock off that Kansas City Chiefs team and, and really be in play for an AFC championship bid or, you know, even thinking further along, maybe a Super Bowl team? It sounds crazy to say that, but it, it's not that far-fetched based on the overall talent of this roster. Before we get out of here, this has been a very rosy podcast. Let's let's maybe <laughs> go to the other side. I mean, what could um, stump the Bills this year? And, and I think that one factor that I think everybody has to be aware of going into this year is they're very old on the on the edge. Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, and Jerry Hughes are all over thirty. So I, while I don't expect the production to drop off and their ability to get after the quarterback. You know, we saw it last year, you know, staying healthy for guys in this league after they're 30 years old is always a challenge. So I think that's one piece of it. I think that you're going to be relying on a guy in Ed Oliver who I am bullish on. I think that this guy is going to skyrocket to the moon in terms of what he's able to do and what he learned from year one and what he's able to kind of take those lessons and apply them in year two. But if he doesn't pop and he has some of the games like he had last year where I almost felt like he was invisible at times, he got pushed around a little bit, uh, really didn't make an impact when it was just, you know, when he was asked to just eat up blocks. I mean, the size issue has always been uh, an issue. And, and, and sometimes against the run, I feel like they felt that the Bills have to be better against the run this year. And it starts at the defensive line. I, I think that they're built to do that. But I think that's some of the areas where you can maybe see um, – some issues pop up, pop up. Yeah. And on the other side of the ball, you're, you're one injury to Stefan Diggs away from this offense, pretty much being the same as it was one year ago as well. So, I mean, it, you never know. This is a year by year league. Things can happen. Going to your point though, uh, you have Hughes, you have Addison, you have Trent Murphy all over 30 years old. So there's some concern there. You have Josh Norman, who uh, I think will be better in Buffalo, but he, he's coming off of a pretty rough stint in Washington. Uh, you have Levi w- Wallace, who was picked, upon, uh, picked on at times last year by opposing quarterbacks. And like you said, you had a run defense that you go back to that Eagles game last year that was picked apart. And for whatever reason, I, I felt like certain teams didn't challenge the Bills a lot uh, in terms of tra- challenging that run defense. And I could see that happening within the division a lot this year especially looking at the Patriots now they're going to have three four quality running backs looking at the Dolphins uh, I think they have a really good one-two punch maybe a one through three there so I could see that being their game plan against the Bills not so much that they're going to air it out but they're going to they're going to test that run defense and try to beat them that way so within the division and then if those teams have success you're going to see other teams adjust their game plan for the Bills as well so you're right Run defense has to really uh, improve. They have to get better at tackling. You, me- you mentioned the missed tackles. And you have to hope that this team can stay healthy, uh, especially with some of those older veterans. 
He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Thank you for listening. We are going to be hitting another topic this week. Uh, Make sure you stay tuned for that. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you search Shout uh, on uh, the Buffalo Bills football podcast on all your uh, different applications. However you listen to your podcast, uh, subscribe, first of all, so you always get them. And then if you can rate and leave a review for us, we really appreciate it, trying to grow the audience. Um, We'll have more this week. Stay tuned. And this has been Shout, and we're out.